episode number 63 of the rock and roll research podcast where we share the super cool backstories and side gigs yes that's right <laughs> of the research and insights pros that you trust so today's guest is Mireya Artiaga uh, who's the lead customer researcher at GoDaddy within their CX research and strategy team and I'm super excited to have her because I am a very happy GoDaddy customer I must say <laughs> they host all my web domains. They host my rock and roll research podcast email address. So I fully expect that maybe the next time we talk, Mireya, it'll be um, it'll be a one-on-one -on -one interview, or maybe I'll be a focus group participant. So I got things to say, right? <laughs> for sure. All right. So so Mireya has been in research for some time. She also owns her own LLC called Human Stories where she's done some really good branding and strategy work for, uh, for a group of blue chip customers of hers. So we know that Medea is an excellent researcher. That's, that's established, but what is especially interesting about her is her penchant to dive in and try new and crazy things. <laughs> so I don't know, like uh, formula race car driving or her latest hobby, which is playing the drums, which of yes. course is <laughs> my own personal favorite hobby. So yeah. we're going to talk about all that and more on today's podcast. Welcome to the show, Medea. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here and to see another drummer and researcher. Yes, yes. It's a diagram that we are. <laughs> it's a great combination, right? <laughs> the best. The best. All right. So so let's let's start here. So. Um, how did you get into to research in the first place? What, what attracted you? Uh, research is interesting. I have yet to hear of anyone who's a researcher that was just straight into research, knew what they wanted to do, got into research, or had a parent that was in research. It's kind of a, a field that seems like everybody fell into, and that's kind of myself as well. Sure. Uh, so I originally uh, had a career before research. I kind of worked for a law firm worked for a library, much more like academic and, and that type of research, like literary research. Right. And then I started getting into data analytics um, and decided to go back to school. So I graduated at 30 as a as a parent, put myself back through school, uh, finally awesome. got my degree, got into data analytics and really, um, really liked the work, but I felt that it was, um, it felt a little hollow to me, just kind of looking at numbers and not seeing the whole reason why people were making decision A versus decision B. So for me, um, you know, moving into something that was a bit more uh, holistic was really important. So I sure. was hired by um, Paul Netto, who's speaking of of cars, who's a real racer. I'm not a I'm not a real racer. I'm just like a, a trained trained uh, amateur. But Paul Netto is actually a researcher and a real racer. He does uh, BMWs, but he. Um, he hired me for a research position, a classic research position at uh, at a company that we work for called Yumi back in 2015. And I kind of was trial by fire and, and thrown into it with Paul. And he was a fantastic mentor. He made it incredibly interesting. So I worked with Paul for a bit and then uh, fell in love with research, went into kind of the uh, consulting route, had, had my own business, which I established back then too, and was able to work with some really wonderful interesting companies, mostly advertising agencies is kind of where I cut my teeth in research. 
Sure. And uh, just recently started working for GoDaddy in the last year or so. And that's been great. That's been a kind of a complete turnaround for me from working on the vendor side and kind of pitch hitting as a uh, on the client side, but now being fully immersed on the client side, really you know deep diving into customer data, talking to people every day, which is something that um, that that is great. I'm like a quant person by trade, and then getting able to do interviews frequently is just it's so fascinating. I just I just love it. So it's kind of a a roundabout way of, of getting here, but every step for me has just been um, getting to know people, customers, products, just more intimately and in more of a, a holistic fashion. Sure, sure. That's really interesting that uh, you started on more of the consultant side, uh, the supplier side, if you will, um, and now you're on the client side. would love to hear a little bit more about what you're doing currently at GoDaddy. Uh, and maybe a little bit of a contrast between, you know, sort of supplier and client side. Yeah, yeah, it's the, the biggest difference I always see with being on the supplier and vendor side is typically sample is huge, right? Because we're doing like bigger market potential, bigger sampling, huge budgets, right? Especially if I come right. from an advertising background, it is just ridiculous how much, um, you know, investment there is in these particular projects. And that makes it thrilling and exciting and fun. And you say, how about 10,000 people here? And how about 5,000 here? Um, and there's lots of exciting things you can you can do. A lot of flexibility, lots of data cuts. Um, and and they're, to me, those are kind of more sweeping, broad generalizations and kind of um, talking points, more like front of site, more like blog posts, more marketing copy, much more substance for that. Whereas sure, now sure. Uh, working on the client side, it's much more of a like an intimate conversation with our customers. Samples are much smaller. Obviously, when we do a lot of qual work, it's you know what like 20, 20 and under people that we're talking to at a time. Sure. But having these really deep conversations is fantastic because you know I, I look at I write surveys basically every day, right? Like I work with surveys all the time and I really just kind of estimate what's the right thing to ask? Is this the right set of questions? Am I really getting at what the the meat of their uh, their desires are, their motivations are. And then when I switch to more qual work here at GoDaddy, um, what I love about it is just, it, it really, um, I can have a hypothesis and then immediately in the first five or six interviews, it's just completely disproven or yes, <laughs> that, was, that was right, you know, and yeah. um, it's given me a new language to talk to our customers as well. So I specialize in our Web Pro, so that's website designers and developers who are a new category for me. I you know, didn't really know anything about it whatsoever um, coming into GoDaddy, but being able to really just jump in and, and talk to people one-on-one -on -one for an hour at a time has just, um, you know, it's, it's less of being a jack of all trades, which I feel like I was before and now much more of a specialist. So I think that's, that's a great opportunity for me. Yeah, yeah, that's great, cool. Um, so, so let's, Let's talk about race car driving. <laughs> so you mentioned you're a, you're a trained amateur. Um, yeah. Where where did that where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, yeah I feel like I'm a trained amateur in a whole lot of things. And and by the way, for for hopefully the two people that listen to this podcast, and probably my mom, who's the one of the two, um, you know, I'm like the most risk averse person you have ever met. So these are sound like very exciting, uh, thrilling hobbies, but I work in like risk mitigation as a professional. That's the kind of person I am. But what really drew me to that is my father who um, 
passed away quite a while ago, but he was into Formula Fours, which are the smaller open wheel race cars. They're not Formula Ones because those are expensive and you have to be a, uh, an incredible professional, but you can get into Formula Racing relatively inexpensively, which is what my, my father did. Um, he really just inspired kind of a love of, of cars for me and more so than that, really the kind of precision that one needs to be a very consistent driver um, and understanding how to navigate a racetrack and heel toe downshift. And it was all just fascinating to me. And my dad actually taught me to drive, which I tell everybody the story. This is absolutely true. Um, taught me to drive a manual car and he'd say, okay, media, when you're in doubt, just floor it. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is, just, just floor it. So that's like kind of the, um, the education I got about, about driving. So my dad really spurred that interest in me. I took, um, this was, this was a while back. It used to be called Sears Point in, in Finneon in the old days up here in, in Northern California. And it's a fabulous racetrack, world famous. We had uh, Russell Racing School back then is, was what I went to. There were two different series. You stay over um, a couple days and you have like eight hours on track and and, um, and lessons and you work with coaches and um, the first right. class is kind of like more of a, an intro lower powered um, formula car. And then the next class, you graduated to like a higher powered car. You get your name on the side of it, which is, which is really awesome. Um, and you just practice it. You just drive all day. And that um, I, I was never an incredibly fast driver, but I was a very consistent driver, which I think is a, kind of a perfect tie-in into doing research and kind of what I am as a professional. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, uh, there, there seems to be maybe a little bit more in common than you might than you might think, right? Like driving fast versus something that's you know, maybe perceived as low risk, like research, right? But, right. but maybe there are some commonalities. Can you can you speak to that at all? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I I was thinking about that just the other day when um, you know thinking about the the hobbies and drums and, and racing and such. And it's um, it, it seems to be like a consistency thing and a precision thing that I think is very interesting right. and in wonderful parallel. There's like a sense of perfection that one can never have in, in any hobby, but but in in cars for me in in research, but um, and you know now now in drums, it's kind of there's really a right way to do something. Well, okay, that's that's I shouldn't even say that as a researcher, right? But I'm always drawn by the idea that there's a perfect way to drive this car to to shift to um, you know to get this research brief together like if there's just an ideal and right way to do it that is really appealing to me that's always appealed to me in research the kind of the exactness of it working with a lot of nebulous data a lot of customer thoughts emotions and then really putting something to it that's concrete and um and and believable that that for me is just like the best part of research yeah yeah i can i can relate to that for sure so let's talk drums <laughs> yes let's talk drums yeah, absolutely so where, where did that where did that interest uh generate for you drums for me uh it, drums is a very very new hobby and we've touched on it very briefly but I, I just started about five months ago i've always been a huge huge drum fan uh ringo star was my first 
you know, I'm a big fan of, of Ringo Starr. He's my number one drummer. I have a autographed picture of his here um, by my by my drum set. I wrote him a letter when I was ten, probably like seven or something, really, really young. And he um, responded to you? Yeah, I got a signed, I got a signed picture back. Yeah, this was back oh, in that's the great. Wow, this is back in the 80s. So I think there was no such thing as like an authentic <laughs> autograph back then, right? It's too, yeah. it's too, uh, too new. But uh, yeah, so I've always been interested in in drums. There's just, and you know, you're you're a professional drummer, but uh, even as an amateur, just hearing the way it really um, carries everything. You know, there's like a consistency again, which I really like. There's a lot of creativity, a lot of passion in it. It's just, it's been fascinating for me. And hearing just all the different things that one can accomplish in drums, I just, you know, I've always enjoyed listening to it. And it wasn't until this past year I thought, hey, I'd like to give that a try because it just looks like it's it's fun to do. And I, you know, I knew it was going to be a difficult thing to do, but it is just enormously complicated. And, um, you know, I'm five months into it. So knowing enough to to hold a beat is like, the greatest victory, yeah. um, but now disconnecting. I didn't realize you have to use two feet at once and two hands at once with, you know, kind of like different tempos as, as you're very well versed. And that for me has just been, it's like hitting, hitting a wall, but uh, you know, but every little victory when I practice is just uh, it's like being reborn, you know, it's just, I feel like a, I feel like a genius when something can really come together. So that's been something that's really exciting for me. Yeah, yeah, that's the cool thing. It's it, there's just kind of an interesting dichotomy where you never get to the point where you actually feel like you're good, <laughs> because you can always listen to someone who is so much better than you are. So you never feel like you're good, but once you once you cross some of those barriers and you can do something new for the first time, it's like it just it just sets off this these endorphins, right? And it's so exciting. So. It keeps you going, even though you never you never get to the top of the mountain. <laughs> that's that's probably true. Although you know, it seems like everybody else is on top of the mountain. It feels like I'm at the bottom. But you know, it's interesting to hear that you, as a professional, feel similarly, which is surprising. Yeah, um, I would say you know, c call me semi-professional, <laughs> weekend <laughs> weekend warrior. Weekend <laughs> All right, um, so. Let's let's get back to re research again for a second. Um, so you've done a few different things in research. Um, you've got a quantitative background, and you're taking on a lot of qualitative research. Um, what do you see as uh, maybe emerging trends or things that are becoming important or will become important in the research space? So what I've seen lately over the past four or five years, which I've been keeping my eye on, is the big perspective shift in terms of diversity inclusion in research. Mm -hmm. So I first started thinking about this when we started having questions, writing surveys and saying, do we have more than two genders? Like, do we, one, do we include it? Two, do we need it? Three, what's going to happen if we include that? Can we compare? Can we not compare with past research? You know, it just starts with small questions like that. Um, that was a good number of, of years ago. And now, um, you know, on LinkedIn, I frequently see posts about people um, posting sessions and classes on how to have more diverse audiences and making sure our questions are much more reflective of reflective of our audiences and the way they're speaking and the types of um, considerations they would have or sensitivities that we should have. So that to me has been um, incredibly interesting. 
And um, it's just the sign of a, a general larger shift in, in the country, which I think is, is fascinating. So I've been, I've been watching that unfold myself. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some really great resources out there now. Um, I know Insights and in Color did uh, a really um, useful paper when it comes to thinking through how do we ask questions um, mm -hmm. that are respectful and get what we need uh, and are, you know, um, working with the times, if you will. Um, so there's, there's a lot of help out there uh, and people that are uh, really doing a lot of good work to help us all kind of get up to speed on, on how we should think about that. So that's great. Cool. Um, so this is a podcast, right? Uh, and I don't know if you listen to podcasts, but I know that you've got uh, lots of interests, right? Clearly. Um, some of them professional and then, uh, you know, all these other things that you work on. Uh, so what are some sources, media sources, podcasts or otherwise, uh, that you turn to for information or inspiration, um, or just enjoyment? Just for fun. I like that. I like that enjoyment qualifier because a lot of times when we have discussions about our careers, we say, what are you reading for? you know, work for to better yourself as a researcher. And it's like, well, I do things for fun too, which is, I think, the most important, most important yeah. part of our lives too. Um, so for fun, I'm a big reader. You talk about media. So just media in general, I read all the time. I read, I read everything. Um, my most, I like reading a lot of um, mysteries, comedies. David Sedaris is one of my favorite authors. I just saw him at a, a reading uh, just yeah. about a week ago. And then as for uh, digital media, um, I, I do listen to podcasts. I love podcasts since I'm what I like to say is professionally nosy and I like to learn about people and their uh, decision makings. I listen to a lot of um, like therapy podcasts, which is just endlessly fascinating. Um, so I, I like to listen to Where Do We Begin by Esther Perel. I'm not sure if you've, you've heard of her. Um, that's, that's fascinating. She'll kind of take a... Um, like a, a couple that could be like a regular relationship or mother, daughter, any, any two people just mm -hmm. spends a, a single hour with them and kind of dissects their issues. And it is just, it's, it's amazing. There's that one. And there's also one called dear therapists kind of similar in that vein. Those two, I think are my, my main podcast just because of the, 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 the deep dive into, um, into a person's uh, decision-making process is just yeah. is endlessly fascinating to me. So is it, is it like uh, being a fly on the wall for a therapy session? Is that kind of yeah. how it works? Yeah, it is that <laughs> exciting. It's, it's exactly like that. It's, it's funny because, uh, you know, it, it's one thing to be a, a viewer of people's, people's issues and it's fascinating, it's interesting, but it's also wonderful to be able to turn it off and not have that as part of one's own life. You know, it's like being a spectator yeah. is, uh, is, uh, is, the, is the fun part. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that, see how that would be interesting. Um, and certainly kind of dovetails into research, right? So it's, <laughs> I could see how a researcher would be interested in that kind of content, super cool. Mm -hmm. All right, Mireya, this is, the, this is the most important question, of course. And it's the hardest question. Now I've got some guesses based on what we've talked, but I'm very, very curious, I need to know. So let's say you're stranded on a desert island. You've got three records of your choosing, of your choosing, whatever you want. 
Um, to keep you co company for the rest of your days, what are those three records? So I'm on a desert island with like a, a record player. That's right. That's right. <laughs> a record player. Okay. You can um, listen to it on vinyl, right? So that's, yeah. that's the best format, of course. Being handy. <laughs> yeah, it, it is absolutely. That's, you know, that's such a good question. And I've really given this a lot of thought, probably more thought than I should, because there's records you can listen to every day. And then those that were just spectacular for their music. And then those when you're in a particular mood, but I, I narrowed it down to my top three, which I think encompasses a, a, a good, a good range of kind of moods and, and feelings. So number one would be the white album from the Beatles, because that's uh, yeah. a wonderful, it's got so many wonderful songs. Uh, Mother Nature's Son is one of my favorites, Blackbird. Um, there's a song called Sexy Sadie, which I named my daughter after that song, Sadie. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> so that's a that's an important one for me. And then the other two, which is, you know, I wanted to add everybody to this list, but I actually picked two uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers albums because they're my <sighs> probably my all time consistently just since the early 90s has been like standout for all their their albums. One of my favorites. Um, so I picked Mother's Milk. Yep. which is fantastic. And then of course, blood sugar, sex magic. Cause how could you, how could you talk that? <laughs> Your island is going to be funky and jumping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> by the way, by the way, just a little bit of drum gossip here since you brought up the red hot chili peppers, you know, Chad mm -hmm. Smith, the drummer, uh, he just left his Sabian symbols endorsement after 25 years and just announced that he's joining Peisty. So oh. um, a lot of people are upset about that. That's big news in the in the drumming world, right? So <laughs> I, I wish I was like a, a proficient enough drummer to know what the difference is between those symbols, but I, I am familiar with his drumming and he's fantastic. So does that mean he uh does that mean people just never play those again? Like was he not happy with the sound of them? Or what does that mean as a as a drummer? You know what? I, I don't know. I The only thing I can think is that um, Peisty probably backed up the money truck and oh, that's gave, okay. <laughs> gave him an offer he couldn't refuse. Um, financial decision. Yeah. Okay. That, that makes sense. That I makes play, sense. I play Zildjian myself, but uh, to each their own, you know? <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I've got too. That's my first brand and so far, it seems like a good one. And I've seen a lot of drummers play that brand. So I, it seems like that's a good place to start. Good choice. And I should say that I have seen her drum kit and it's really cool. So <laughs> yeah, you're, you're off to a really good start. So I love it. Thank Excellent. you. All right, Mireya, this has been a super fun chat. Uh, I'm super glad I met you. Um, certainly look forward to staying in touch. And that doesn't just have to be as a research participant, but you know, if, you've got, <laughs> if you have a list of willing customers uh, who have opted in for research, you know, you can feel free to add me to the list, but uh, we'll, we'll stay in touch anyway, right? So we've got some drums to talk. So <laughs> thanks so much, Maria. Really appreciate it. Let's talk soon and rock and roll. Rock and roll.